0: Good morning, faithful vocabulary listeners. I join you on this California cold Tuesday morning, where the thermostat points its finger accusingly at 45 degrees Fahrenheit, and my warm, unaccustomed, harsher weather body is staging a protest. I hope you had a pleasant, balmy weekend. I spent Sunday sort of watching parts of the Super Bowl and waiting for the much-awaited commercials and the halftime show to air. Needless perhaps to say, the Super Bowl itself was a mild disappointment for me as a Bay Area dweller because our cherished Niners did not win, but the sting was much, much less for me than for many of the really sports-fanatic Niner faithful. I think I was more disappointed to find out that, alas, our Sling TV subscription possibly did not include Animal Planet and I wouldn't be able to view the annual Puppy Bowl. Impression after a day of some Taco Bell, which is an unofficial Super Bowl day tradition for me, and on and off half-hearted viewing and trying to keep myself from turning up the thermostat in the middle of the day. I must have missed any really clever commercials because from the money they spent on placing their adverts in a prime sweet spot, The offerings were lackluster. The halftime show fared much better. I've really always liked Shakira's world music aura. I'm somehow a reluctant JLo fan who loathes to love her and loves to find something to detest about her. But no, they were both delightful. The set was shimmery and shimmy laden and sexy. I may actually even be more on the adoration portion of the Jenny from the block love-hate wheel for the present moment. Ah, the winds howling outside, rattling our old windows, makes the chilliness all the more pronounced. To infuse a little heat into this already blustery day, I'm going to think warm thoughts. Hmm, warm thoughts. Hmm. Piping hot tea. I should haul out the really heavy comforter. Let's see. Imagine locales with a sweltering climb. Okay, I know. Here we go, here we go. I shall relate to you a somewhat fictionalized version of an event that happened in my earlier teen years. I cooked it up as a response to the hashtag VSS365 challenge in the Twitter writing community this past January. I had honestly almost forgotten about it. It could be that it was a mostly good memory that my mind decided to tuck away for when I am truly in the sunset of life and will remember it with a great degree of fondness of forgetfulness and some flourishes of embellishment here and there, so I could tell friends and relatives a tale with fresh hints of spice and panache. The story is true, about as true as what pesky small details I can recall, with names of places and people changed. If the real-life characters happen upon this story, they might even recognize themselves. The heat comes from remembering how the humid, relentlessly sunny weather permeated more months of the year than not. The heat also comes from the perspective of the first person retelling itself. We have all been familiar with with where the throes of first young love takes us, how it seems to be confusing and frighteningly foreign and irritatingly desirable and everything to us. Everything all at once, before we knew anything else, before we knew any better. Jasmine-scented night. We arrived at Gigi's 16th birthday celebration earlier in the afternoon. To attend the buffet lunch, but now the sun was diving below the horizon and the older teens had migrated to the patio where the air was warm and sultry with a scent of Madagascar jasmines. Gigi's parents had hired a DJ and some kids had already begun shyly swaying on the dance floor. I felt like butterflies were going to burst out of my belly. This was the year I had turned 14, and it was my first grown-up party. First dance, first real crush, Tony. He was 18, good-looking with a swagger and already getting prepped to start college. He had half teased me, half flirted with me since we moved to Barangay Iluksawa four years ago while I was in the fourth grade and starting to grow boobs. Yeah, being an early bloomer was the bane of my existence until Tony began looking at me in that lazy, smug way of his. I scanned the terrace, hoping to catch a glimpse of him among the bodies gyrating and bopping to a bouncy bangles song. When I did spot him, I almost deflated out of my pretty-new, drop-waisted, mint-green dress. He was on the other side of the dance floor, leaning against a hollow brick wall. A girl, who looked to be about his age, in a geometric print blouse with a trendy, asymmetrical bob, was with him. She was boldly sitting atop the wall, her foot tapping him playfully as they conversed. Ugh, stupid, stupid, stupid. Why would he want a little girl like me, who had never even had her first kiss? I sighed, more than a little heartbroken, but resolved to enjoy the evening anyway. At around midnight, the dancers were dispersing and the crowd began to thin out, some people sleepily heading on their way home. In our tiny barangay, everything was accessible on foot. I was relaxed by this time, laughing and joking with my cousins, watching the antics of another relative of ours as he made a fool of himself pretending to be Michael Jackson. When my older cousin Andine all of a sudden became quiet and her cheeks colored a deep pink. Peter Cetera's glory of love had just queued up on the speakers And it was then that I felt the pressure of someone gently squeeze my hand. I looked up. It was Tony grinning down at me. I'm sure I saw his mouth moving, but in my temporary shock, I didn't hear his words. From my cousin's not-so-subtle prodding for me to stand up, it appeared he was going to ask me to dance. The last dance of the night. A slow one. As he pulled me in a little closer to his chest than was normally considered appropriate by my chaste Catholic girl upbringing, I could feel the heat of his body, smell how he was a heady mixture of a light cologne that was somewhere in the vicinity of lavender and a woodsy scent, and underneath it, a still indefinable masculine tang that was so alluring, something that none of my boy classmates possessed. I didn't want that dumb song to ever end. I decided right there, not really knowing anything about anything at all, that I was for certain in love. A few notes. We moved to the Philippines when I turned 10 years old and stayed there for eight years. The guy's sister, guy in the story Tony. He, his sister is now the wife of my own first cousin. So I think you could say that really makes his family now. But then again, in a village that small, you are bound to be related in some way by marriage or blood. The word barangay. In the Philippines, this is similar to a barrio or a district. If you enjoyed this short story, you can also check out both my new blog on Medium, at medium.com, at t.deesus.poop, and my creators page at vocal.media under my name, Trisha de Jesus Gutierrez. You could also follow me on Instagram and Twitter under the handle at FinBell. We creative minds, poets, writers, artists, and musicians thrive off of your feedback and patronage of our art. Thank you so much for your continued support through these past two years. It means the world to me.